This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, he will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. That first reading is from the fifth chapter of Isaiah in the Old Testament. It's set in the eighth century before Christ. Psalm 80, which we, part of which we just sang, is, has the same image. And Jesus, in the passage we just heard in Matthew 21, picks up the same image. So this image is very familiar to our Jewish ancestors, generation after generation, and it's very familiar particularly to the religious leaders to whom Jesus speaks in the Gospel reading. So the image is there is a person who owns a vineyard. The person represents, that person represents God. In the vineyard, he plants the choicest vines. These vines are you and me, the choicest vines, not mediocre vines, not bad vines, the choicest vines. Someone in any part of the world where grapes are grown would get this. The choicest vines are going to produce, if things go right, the choicest grapes. They're going to produce then the best kind of wine. You and I are created by God as the choicest vines. If you right now think you're a mediocre human being, that's on you. That's not who you are. If you think you're a loser, that is on you or other people who are telling you that. That is not the truth. You and I are the choicest vines. The vineyard owner plants the vines in the vineyard and he does everything that he can to allow them to grow and to produce the best grapes. So he removes obstacles that could be in the way of their growth. He protects the vineyard. He cares for the vineyard. He sets up a watchtower to be sure it's protected. And he hews out a wine press prepared for the great grapes that are going to produce the great wine. He then gets to the harvest time. Obviously, he is expecting, as he should, to find the choicest grapes from the choicest vines. Instead, he gets there, 
and he finds the word in Hebrew is stinking grapes. I don't know why, and I am no critic of, I can't translate a single line of the Old Testament. For some reason in this translation today, we heard wild grapes. I don't really know where that comes from. It is literally stinking grapes. That's a lot different from wild. Stinking grapes. What these grapes should be, it's not just they're mediocre, they are stinking. So, his response is, he treats the vineyard as the vineyard has become. He treats the vineyard, which he totally loves, with its freedom. He doesn't protect it anymore. You wouldn't protect stinking grapes. He doesn't care for it. He lets its enemies come. People can trample on it. The protection is broken down. And he stops the rain from coming on the grapes. What vineyard owner can stop the rain? It's not about a vineyard owner. It's about God. And Isaiah says it directly. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, our Jewish ancestors. That's what the psalm that we just sang expresses. Our Jewish ancestors are chosen by God from all the people on this planet to be God's chosen people. They receive up to this point for generations more God than any other people have ever received. They receive more of God's revelation about how to live, more of God's care, more of God's protection than any other people on the planet. It's ultimately meant for everybody on the planet, but they are first God's chosen people. And they have chosen to turn away from God. They are supposed to produce love. They're supposed to produce justice in the way they live. And in that passage from Isaiah, God says to Isaiah, I look for love and I find hatred. I look for justice and I find injustice. I hear the cry of the victims of the injustice. Isaiah is saying, and the psalmist is saying later, we're supposed to be godly people producing love in this world, and we are in fact stinking people who are not producing God's love in this world. Do you get that? Do you get it? Or shall I start over? Do you get it? Yes. I think anybody can get that. Jesus, the Son of God, so now we're in the Gospel passage. We're picking up right where we left off last week, Matthew 21. At this point, Jesus has entered Jerusalem. In just a few days, he is going to bring salvation into this world fully through his passion, death, and resurrection. The Gospel writer says that everybody in Jerusalem is awakened by Jesus. Huge crowds of people come out to say he's the Messiah. And there are certain religious leaders, not all, but certain ones who absolutely, they have for a long time, they hate Jesus, and they're plotting to kill him, which they're going to do. Last week we heard one of Jesus' responses to these religious leaders. This is now a second parable that Jesus uses about these religious leaders. So he takes that same image, actually some of the same words, from Isaiah, but he adds an element. So there is a vineyard owner. He has his vineyard. He has vines growing there. And then what Jesus adds is he's got tenants. The tenants, in Jesus' time and place, vineyard owner leases out the land to tenant farmers. The tenant farmers gain some of the produce. That's how they make their living. 
but they return most of the produce to the vineyard owner. Fair for everybody. The tenants in this parable are the religious leaders. So in the story, the vineyard owner goes away, he comes back, it's time to receive the produce, the harvest is there, he sends his servants to collect the produce. The response of the tenants, instead of giving him what belongs to him, is they kill, they beat, they stone the servants. So the vineyard owner sends more servants, more numerous, and they're treated the same way. The vineyard owner then sends his son, thinking they'll respect my son. The son comes, and these wicked tenants say, he's the heir. He's going to inherit the vineyard. Let's throw him out of the vineyard, kill him, and then we'll somehow get the vineyard. So they do this. Jesus says to these religious leaders who hate him, what is the vineyard owner going to do to those tenants? And they are forced by logic. Ironically, they say it very forcefully. The vineyard owner is going to kill the wicked tenants, and he's going to replace them with tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. That is, of course, what he's going to do. Jesus then says to them, my words, not Jesus's, this is you. You are supposed to be bringing God's people to God. That's what you claim to do. You religious leaders are supposed to be helping people get to know God, to do God's work in this world, and then here comes the Son of God, and you're going to kill him. You are not presenting to God the people for whom you're responsible. You're not giving the produce to God. And so the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you, religious leaders, and it's going to be given to other people who will be true to God, other Jewish leaders and non-Jewish leaders who will become true followers of Jesus. Do you get this? Do you get this? Leaders who are supposed to be doing their job for God don't do their job for God. The end of the story is God accepts that and God rejects them. Get it? Get it? All right, so eight centuries before Jesus, if you're a Jewish person and you get it, right there with Jesus, if you get it, which I think those leaders probably do, or in 2023, if you get it, what do you do if you find yourself surrounded by people who claim to be of God, who in fact are stinking grapes? What do you do if you find yourself with religious leaders or public leaders who claim to be doing what's good for people, and in fact, they are stinking grapes. What they're producing is stinking grapes. You and I live in a time, unless you are very, very innocent and uninformed, when we live in a society that in so many ways is producing stinking grapes. When it comes to love, and when it comes to justice, when it comes to serving one another for God. You and I live in a time and a place where our leaders of our government so often are producing stinking grapes when it comes to doing what is right and true, particularly for people who are vulnerable, people who are in need. We don't need any more evidence than Lawrence about stinking grapes 
for people who are in need. We live in a church where, very painfully, we live in a generation where we see leaders that sometimes I can relate to exactly in that passage. They are producing stinking grapes. They don't end up presenting people to God. What do you do if you live in the midst of that? Here are some options. One option is you join them. Everybody's doing it. It just seems like a lot of stinking grapes these days. I'm going to produce stinking grapes. My father is producing stinking grapes. That really upsets me. I'm going to produce stinking grapes. My family is just such a failure when it comes to God. I'm going to produce stinking grapes. Well, then your story is written. You've become one of them. The end of your story is in those passages. Another option is you become cynical, which is the intellectually easiest thing to do in any time and place. Everything's lousy. Nothing works out well. Everyone's a hypocrite. Everything is stinking grapes. Everything is stinking grapes. Everything is stinking grapes. And I would say you are producing stinking grapes if you're cynical. Another option is you become a kind of permanent critic of everyone. Have you turned on cable news in the last 15 years? Whether it's from the left, the right, the up, the down, that's what's wrong with you, 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 that's what's wrong with all of you 24-7. And I would say, stinking grapes. And the end of your story is written. A fourth option, I would say, is you remember with all the stinking grapes, you, the choicest, you are still the choicest vine, and the stinking grapes can't change you unless you allow them. You can produce love. You can produce justice. You can serve the Lord abundantly, no matter how many stinking grapes there are in the vineyard. We are blessed to live in a parish in which so many people and so many parents, I would emphasize this morning, are choosing to be producing, this is ungrammatical, are choosing to produce the best fruit in this community, feeding and teaching and leading and doing justice in this city. You and I are blessed to be in a community in which, yeah, there's some stinking grapes, but there are beautiful grapes producing such abundant fruit, particularly those of you who are parents, those of you who are catechists, those of you who work at Cor Unum, those of you who serve the imprisoned in this community. You are making the absolutely available choice. You know this world. You know the stinking grapes. You know the stinking leaders and you're choosing to be who God created you to be, the choicest vine producing the most abundant fruit. Final thought, the more stinking grapes there are, the more interested I am in producing more abundant fruit. So the stinking grapes might get a clue. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.